Welcome to episode 83 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Texas Motor Speedway Sucks Forever edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, of course, unless you like Kyle Larson or John Hunter Nemechek, and then maybe you like Texas Motor Speedway. But in general, it's a shithole. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, brother? Hey, it's doing good, Phil. I mean, the, the Jags finally won, got our first win, 2021 yep. season. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's been playing good the last couple of weeks, but especially this game, you know, Matthew Wright, you know, former systems engineer, or was well, still currently a system engineer at North or at Lockheed Martin, but he's also the kicker, kick game-winning field goal, 54 yards for the Jags. So that was pretty cool to see on Sunday. And, you know, going back to Texas, watch that. Yeah, nothing happened in that race. Kyle Larson won. A bunch of the chasers uh, had pl- problems. You know, Truex, Logano, both on the outside looking in. And then, of course, you know, Texas Motor Speedway sucks. But, hey, at least Coda is pretty good because that's also happening. And that's in Texas as well, in Austin. So uh, Dallas, yeah. Austin, good cities. It is a good, those are cool cities and the cowgirls are winning these days, which is random. Uh, and then you got the U.S. Grand Prix. Great segue there, Josh. Appreciate that. We're going to talk about the U.S. Grand Prix. There's some big news that's going to be announced here in the next day or two. Uh, that will, I'm probably, it'll be after I probably post this damn thing. Uh, that will um, change things up a little bit in the Formula One world. Uh, for sure, and it has a connection to the United States and a major motorsports entity here. Uh, Kind of reminds me also about the fact that Smoke is going into business with his fiance and uh, Matt Hagen. I have to mention that later in the roundup uh, for NHRA, basically making Don Schumacher racing his son's car, Tony Schumacher returning full-time, and... uh, Ron Caps. We'll get into that later. Talk about, of course, Texas. Talk about football. Niners will be playing on Sunday night football coming off a of bye. Uh, U.S. Grand Prix. Uh, motorcycle stuff. World Superbike MotoGP. Cup in Xfinity at Texas. Or Kansas. They were already at Texas. Um, then we have um, IndyCar. And IMSA news came out today, last couple of days. So we'll kind of go into that too. And uh, Josh's Sim segment, we might get the algorithm out. Uh, I might have to find a standard deviation or something on how many laps Kyle Larson's going to lead on Sunday or some crap like that. It'll be him and Hamlin. Like, how many laps will they be in the top two? That might be a way to go with it. Um, and what's the likelihood of another Ware getting arrested for doing something stupid since uh, Carson Ware just got arrested uh, for being a woman beater? Because, well, yeah, you have to fit. The NASCAR stereotype has to fit, and um, their dad runs a terrible organization. <laughs> All right, with that, let's start with um, the lord and savior of NASCAR, Kyle Larson, uh, winning his eighth cup race uh, of the season and locking himself in to the final four at Phoenix, giving himself three weeks to prepare him and his team uh, to three weeks to prepare for this race. And uh, yeah, it was definitely not a compelling show, but then it's the 550 rules package. It's, 
Uh, Texas, to be fair, the all-star race was proof of what was going to happen, and they ran another package that was with less horsepower, and Kyle Larson won like 17 of the 22 stages in that race. So, I mean, I think we already knew what was going to happen on Sunday before we got there, and it basically came through. It was a Hendrick, more or less a Hendrick benefit, uh, because Kyle Larson, William Byron led 300 something laps of this race. What is it? Yeah, 301 or so, I think. Yeah, looks like 301, maybe 311. Yeah, 311. 311 of the 334 laps, or 301, probably. Yeah, 301. Uh, and otherwise, Kyle Bush was there, but then his car became a bucket of fuck uh or whatever else he said because i'm sure he said some other stuff i that's one reason why i follow dustin albino or whatever because he goes and transcribes all the stuff that these guys say on the radio especially kyle bush and it just i get a kick out of reading that because yeah they have emotions yeah it's but yeah he's one of the only ones that'll actually go and post what the hell these guys say on the radio which is just great and only it only makes you wish that one of these people Instead of the likes of Jenna Fryer going and having fights with random with other podcasts, IndyCar related podcasts about cultivating content and churning out whatever other people's, I guess, breaking stories, um, actually going and listening to what these drivers are saying. Uh, yeah, Larson won, uh, Byron second, Christopher Bell finished third. Uh, used tire strategy somewhat there late and all the restarts that happened to get the third. Brad Keselowski was up front late but couldn't pass either the Hendrick cars. One of the best runs he's had on a 550 track all year. Kevin Harvick finished fifth. Of course, he's out of the playoff running for the first time since this format started. Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch all still in, and uh, they finished the top eight. Tyler Reddick was probably the third, second, third, top five car, ended up finishing ninth. Daniel Suarez gets a top ten, was involved in something. We'll get into the guys that have been affected by their results at Texas, um, and he was a part of one of those guys. Danny Hamlin got into some argy-bargy himself, still came out with an 11th. Other guys that actually scored stage points, Chase Briscoe scored stage points in both stages, had a much better car than where he ended up in 15th. He he cut a tire because of Denny Hamlin, stupidity, and um, finished 15th. Kurt Busch was the first car off the lead lap, uh, finished two laps down in 16th. And that is that for um, Truex actually led a lap, but of course we'll get into him and Joey Logano having uh, a rare engine failure in uh, the NASCAR Cup Series. Used to be the norm, having guys blow engines and some of the other stuff that used to happen in 500-mile races, but doesn't seem to happen all that often. So um, Larson wins again. Josh, uh, I really don't know what else to say about that other than, I guess, congratulations. Uh, um, He's going to Phoenix, and he's probably going to win the championship in three weeks' time, but uh, 
you know, whatever to me. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Larson, yeah, I mean, Larson's still showing that they've got it on 550 tracks and probably likely contender next week at, or, you know, this weekend at Kansas and probably going to be the same thing there because it's a, another 550 rules package race, although the Kansas 550 package seems to work for whatever reason at Kansas. Um, we saw it last year, Logano winning that race, even though Kevin Harvick couldn't ultimately pass him, at least it was one of the uh, better, uh, at least somewhat palatable uh, races that the 550 packages had. Um, at least, you know, Texas, the whole the whole thing is messed up with with it, the uneven banking or different banking on one side and the uh, they took away the uh, PJ one or whatever. And now it's all messed up and everything. And it's hard to uh, get a second lane to try to make a run because you can only really use the middle or the bottom. And uh, when you're, you know, you have the middle and it works there, but then you can't get around the leader or the bottom works, but then still can't get around the leader. So there's just no real place and you can't get up to the top either. because There's no grip there. So, um, you know, they should just demolish Texas and start over or maybe, uh, fill in the missing piece of track at Texas world and go race there. Uh, that's what they should do. You know, if you watched, uh, Dale Jr.'s, uh, show lost speedways talking about the, uh, destruction and eventual demolition of Texas world. I mean, it's going to get demolished, but I mean, that's a better racetrack there as it exists right now, you know, put the missing piece of track and you'd probably provide better racing than Texas motor speedway would. But, uh, I digress there, but, you know, talking about, Larson, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a champion soon. Probably they'll just have to figure out Phoenix and sure they'll have an opportunity there to probably win and they'll be up there and everything. I mean, don't know how, uh, his Phoenix record is not, not as good as maybe his mile and a half track record, but you know, they'll be up front there. But uh, for the rest of the guys, like Logano hasn't blown an engine since 2014, pretty rare. Like, like you said, that was his second year of Penske. That was, the first year that he had to where he was really a contender as a champion or as a you know playoff driver ended up that you're dropping the Jack at Homestead. So, I mean, that was a long, long time ago, uh, feels like now. So not even really that long ago, to be honest, but, um, uh, shows you the reliability of the engines, but then also the demand for the engines. Of course, they've really, really got it down now, uh, to sign it's and you don't really see that thing anymore. And then of course, uh, Truex got taken out by Daniel Suarez and, I think it's probably just a racing incident, of course, but uh, looking at it late, uh, probably could have given more respect uh, to Truex being a playoff driver. But you know, Daniel Suarez, small-time team, and he's a you know small-time, not really small-time driver, but of course outside of the playoffs and doesn't really have anything else to lose, so he's going to go for it uh, there. And of course, they get into each other, takes Truex out, and he goes from being locked into the playoffs, or at least for now, to being on the outside and probably needing a win or some really bad luck from other people. Good luck for him to be able to get back into it. So uh, those two guys, pretty much the story there uh, for the playoff drivers is who, who had really bad races and uh, who didn't. And of course, um, I think another guy we have to talk about is Ryan Blaney, who kind of been kind of quietly hanging around there in the top four. Uh, he's been up there uh, in the playoff standings, like this entire playoffs. And uh, he's gotten his fair mention, I think, but I think, People are probably underestimating the capability of uh, that car compared to Hendrick and Gibbs. And I think if things play out, you could see Ryan Blaney up there battling Kyle Larson. And we've seen it happen before earlier this year at Atlanta when he beat him out 
uh, to win the race there with a couple laps ago and that race and could happen again uh, at Phoenix or even at Kansas or something like that. So uh, something to keep out or keep an eye on because uh, Ryan Blaney, you know, hasn't really been known as a closer, but I think this season starting to change the narrative on that one. And of course you have Hamlin who had his issues with Chase Briscoe and then they fight it out on Twitter or on uh, Instagram, of course. And that seemed pretty entertaining, I guess, but in the uh, grand scope of things, not really a whole lot there. And then Kyle Busch uh, kind of quietly there too. And uh, it seems like he kind of understands the lack of respect between all the drivers as well, but uh, still kind of hanging on to fourth place and uh, certainly got a little bit of a targeted on his back being in that uh, last position. Of course, there are uh, the rest of the guys on the outside, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Martin Truex. Uh, they're all going to have a, a uh, watch on Kyle Busch on where he is throughout the next couple of races uh, and see where he's at, uh, of course, because he's going to be the guy to beat for that last position. But that's pretty much it for Texas. I mean, there is 10 cautions or whatever, but it uh, doesn't really matter because in the end, like all the guys that finished expect were all the guys that finished the race where they you would have expected them to finish. I mean, we didn't even have any picks for this race. I guess we forgot, but it wouldn't have really mattered. So yeah, that was cup for yeah. Texas. Yeah, I think it worked out that we didn't bother to pick it because um, it's Texas. Uh, I'm I've been outspoken to over the years with my um, my derision uh, of the place. Uh, it's a shithole. Uh, it's a terrible racetrack. They've reconfigured it. I don't know how many times. Goose are just sitting there going and shooting pumpkins to make a jack-o'-lantern for his, for his granddaughter. Um, tells you all you really need to know. This is the genius that everyone talks about as the number one promoter in motorsports. Um, and he just retired after they brought the All-Star Race and probably killed, jumped the shark. I mean, I think the All-Star Race jumped the shark a while ago, but then bringing it to Texas Motor Speedway is just like hell reincarnated. Um, Kyle Petty said it about Darlington, and I always loved that, that he said that they should fill the place with water and they should hold fishing tournaments. That's what they should do with Texas Motor. If they want an NFL team to move to to that area, I know they already have one in 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 Frisco or wherever the f- hell Jerry World is. Well, you could just go and use that track, all the area that they waste for that dump, and and make it into a dirt track i don't know make it they already have a dirt track there i think but they they should just make a one mile dirt track or make a two mile uh, oval bank like texas world was or something i don't know there's so many options when you you all you need to know like now nascar is getting to this thing where they want to only go to certain places once um texas motor speedway was basically told they had to go and promote dakota road course race if they wanted to keep you know theoretically keep two races um they got the all-star race as kind of like collateral damage um hopefully that moves away after next year um because my goodness um that race is probably going to be unwatchable um they're in destroying the amount of vehicles they'd like to destroy at texas motor speedway i think is just unnecessary um but you know they basically want super speedway racing at one and a half mile racetracks too. So it kind of all makes sense. Uh, Hamlin getting into it with Briscoe and whatever. I mean, you just got to be smarter than that. 
Um, you'll say that it's kind of the same thing like what Josh mentioned with Suarez and uh, Truex. It was a racing deal uh, with Truex. Um, yeah, sure, you could make the argument that he could have given there with Suarez, but I think that's part of the problem for Suarez's career. He gave too much too early in his career. People thought it, that they, he was a pushover. I mean, now he's in a good team in a good situation, but how many teams he, he drove for Gibbs and he drove for SHR and was run out both the door by both of them, you know, uh, for Truex in one case, and then, which, I mean, I, you kind of get, and then he had no chance at SHR, even though Tony wanted him. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it Truex at the end of the day shouldn't have been there in that spot. You know, when you're running for a championship, when you've generally been one of the top five drivers this year, um, at times and a lot of times this year, you shouldn't have been in that spot. Um, Denny Hamlin shouldn't be in a spot running with a rookie. Um, when that rookie at the end of the day, I mean, I'm a Mark, I'm a Chase Briscoe Mark. That's one of the best runs they've had all year anywhere. You know, that is, and especially on an oval. So the notion that he's up there and giving you heat, there you can go and give there. The guy is freaking 22nd in points. You're running for a championship. Let him get the spot. You have one of the fastest pit crews and not the fastest pit crew in the whole entire series. You're going to probably get that spot back. No offense to the 14 crew, but they're not one of the faster pit crews in, in the sport. The 11, all the Gibbs pit crews, probably are on PED, so it probably helps. Them and Hendrick. Um, so it all it all kind of balances out. Larson going and winning. Kind of figured if we had made picks, I thought I was thinking, I knew we forgot something. I'm looking at the outline like, oh, yeah, we forgot that. But then I would have probably picked Kyle Larson anyway. Um, and I might just end up picking Kyle Larson this week, but I don't want – I'm probably I, – I, I should, but I won't. I'm already going to pre-preface – the pick, I'm just going to pick somebody else. I basically got seven other choices in regards to the playoff guys uh, to choose from. Um, for the betterment of the series, It's it, they might want that. Um, if he wins, though, it'll mean two people will make it in on points at a minimum, possibly three. And then um, we'll kind of, then it'll become kind of a cluster situation. Uh, but we'll get into that. I mean, Frankly, what is it? Keselowski ran well, but as it stands right now, Larson, Blaney, Hamlin, Kyle Busch are your top four. Uh, Blaney to Kyle Busch is nine points. So that can be affected by the stage points this coming weekend. And outside the cut line, Chase Elliott's eight points behind Kyle Busch, nine behind Denny Hamlin. And so that's not too bad. Uh, Keselowski's 15 points out of fourth, and Truex is 22. Um, right now, basically, uh, Logano's in a must win. Uh, Truex is borderline on that. Keselowski has to have more, you know, he probably needs to put himself in position to win a stage and get himself kind of in the points. Uh, you know, now that Larson's locked himself in, I mean, I think 
he was in a position where even if he hadn't won Texas, he was probably going to lock himself in on points because he had so many stage and playoff points anyway. I figured one way or the other, as long as he just did what he's been doing basically since, I don't know, how many races into the season, he was going to go and do go and get into the final four. I think it started in April somewhere, but definitely the month of May was when it turned because Denny Hamlin had the points lead early in the season and he was going pulling off top fives every week. And he's got that whole Dale Earnhardt old school NASCAR points set up Latford system kind of deal going, but the playoff points and the, the stage point crap has uh, definitely fit Kyle Larson's style relative to what these cars, you know, provide him, and what these the setup, whatever the packages are, and um, it fits his driving style way more than a Denny Hamlin, who's more about looking at the end of the race and more of an old school type in that sense. Uh, but in the end, he's probably going to need going to want to win at Kansas, which he's won at before, and Martinsville, he's won at multiple times before. Uh, 46 wins, he's getting into that category. I mean, if he wins four more times, he'll end up tying uh, Junior Johnson and be the winningest driver without a championship. Um, and it's looking likely that he's going to continue to be in that spot unless something weird happens. Um but we will find out. Of course, Kansas comes up this weekend. We'll see what comes on, goes on with that. In regards to the Xfinity series, uh, yeah, I mean, Carson Ware, of course, got arrested. Mentioned that Brandon Jones coming back again, which is because his dad runs Ream, so that helps. Um, even though he sucks, and Michael Annette. I mean, Dustin Albino, credit to him. He's a great writer. But Mike Lynette isn't retiring on his own terms. He sucked out loud for God knows how long. He, he, now he gets hurt like he's a 49er. And um, on top of that, every driver that's driven his car runs into top five or wins, like Josh Berry. That's the reason why he's retiring. You want to do a solid to everybody. You want to go and show that you're doing it on your own terms, go and come out and announce that you're going to go and sponsor Sam Mayer or go and sponsor Josh Berry full out for next year. I don't think Josh Berry's got a bunch of things going on with their sponsorship and Dale Jr. and all. So I figure that's going to kind of be a separate deal. But go and say, oh, yeah, Sam Mayer's going to drive the one car next year, which I think is what's going to happen now. Hopefully they renumber at number five or something. Make it a number that they actually run. Um, eight cars because of Junebug, I get it. The nine car, I don't, I mean, now because of Elliot, fine. Uh, you know, run the 48 or run the five or something. Run a different number. Uh, the seven car, they should change that too, but then they have a lot of capital with, with whatever um, brand. But they should change that number, too, personally. I think there should, if you want to give continuity and connectivity to some of these teams, it doesn't hurt to have that. I mean, I think it would be the same way as changing if Stuart Haas and 
Biagi stay in the Xfinity series next year, changing it to like 41 or, or four, or, I don't know, 14, perhaps. Um, that might be an, a novel concept, but uh, that's beside the point. John Hunter Nemechek, a guy who's going to be driving a truck again next year, uh, precursor to probably coming back to Cup uh, in 2023, uh, I would say. And he wins an Xfinity race for Kyle Busch Motorsports. The Andes Frozen Custard 335. It wasn't 335 miles, though, or kilometer or whatever. Um, John Hunter is ten, gets the gets a fifth, the tenth win for the 54 car this year, and um, beats Daniel Hemrick in the process. So Daniel Hemrick's elusive first win is still left wanting. Uh, he led 92 laps. Hemrick led 55. Sindrick, the defending series champion, of course, led 34. And his closest title rival, and AJ Allmendinger, led 13. So, you know, when it comes to the people, you have Gagson was third, Allgaier fourth. You look at people who are likely that are going to be in this final four. Of course, the 22 and 16 are up there. You have the seven and the 18. Those are the next two people that would probably be in, in the discussion. Uh, but John Hunter came in there and won the second stage and ended up winning this race. And it isn't really that surprising the way he's run uh, most of the year. Uh, Joe Gibbs racing cars led basically from lap, yeah, it looks like from lap 48 till the end, it was Joe Gibbs Racing Cars that um, led the entire race, basically the rest of the race, uh, with um, first Hamrick, then John Hunter a few times, and Harrison Burton in there snuck in. So all the playoff guys finished in the top 10. The points going into uh, Kansas, Almendinger has a four-point lead on Sindrick. All Geyer is 26 points behind. Gagson's 28 points behind. Uh, the actual battle for the cutoff is somewhat compelling. It's only eight points between Justin Allgaier in third and Justin Haley in sixth. Um, Harrison Burton and Bruckshot Jones are kind of in a position where they're going to need to uh, win. Um, I mean, 21 points for Harrison Burton uh, for the cutoff, and it's 32 uh, for uh, for Bruckshot Jones. So, hey, it definitely, I would say definitely for Bruckshot, he'll have to win. Harrison Burton could put something together, but I would assume those two have to win. And uh, so we have all that. Uh, a non-playoff driver wins again. It kind of gets weird when the non-playoff drivers do that. But the way John Hunter's been running this year, Josh, in general, I don't think it's all that shocking. He's out for wins. That's what he's been promoting. And by God, and only a second start next in the 
54 car. He's won. Makes Ty Dillon look a hell of a lot worse, I gotta say. Yeah, it does make Ty Dillon look bad, but then you know, look at Kyle Busch, look at uh, Ty Gibbs in that car, and they've done an incredible job, and I think the car probably drives itself, but yeah, of course, uh, John Hunter uh, is able to take the lead at the very end of the race and win. Uh, it wasn't quite up there at the very end, but then able to take two tires on the last pit stop, get ahead of everybody, and then pretty much just use clean air to his advantage uh, for the most part. He did have to kind of race his teammate there, Harrison Burton, a little bit, but for the most part, he was able to hold him off there and then uh, able to build a one-second lead uh, on Daniel Hemrick, who had that lead uh, before that last caution and uh, looked like he was uh, last couple of cautions really and looked like he was going to drive away uh, from the field, but then ended up uh, losing that opportunity to get that first win, of course. So uh, missed opportunity again for uh, Daniel Hemrick and then uh, John Hunter continued to uh, dominate uh, in the 54 base. basically the all-star car for the Xfinity series. But uh, I mean, there was basically, yeah, Joe Gibbs racing, basically owned that race outside the first uh, couple of laps there at the very beginning, the opening portion. But I think one thing you have to look at as far as the playoff goes, well, Daniel Hemrick is in fifth place, two points out of the cutoff. Noah Gregson uh, on the last uh, spot there. If it stays kind of like in that same points range, I guess, if Daniel Hemrick is still kind of like a couple points behind Noah Gregson, well, you know, they had that runoff back or that run in back at Atlanta. I'm sure it's probably, you know, water under a bridge at this point, but it could come back. There could be an opportunity if Daniel Hemrick is near Noah Gregson or is like right behind him and he's on the outside looking in, might, might just put the bumper to him there and just use that opportunity uh, to get into the playoffs. So I think that's going to be a storyline to look out for is this cutoff. Like you said, Justin Algar is not uh, that much far ahead, of course. But then I think, you know, it goes back to the bigger story of how this championship has basically been uh, between Austin Zendrick and AJ Allmendinger. And I think it's probably going to be like that as long as uh, either of those drivers don't have any disaster happen at uh, Martinsville or or, or at uh, Kansas. So I think that's going to just be how it is, but we'll have to see what happens. Of course, uh, anything could happen. I mean, they could have a, a crash in the first couple of laps or some kind of engine failure. And with, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier in cup with engine failures, it seems like it's just uh doesn't happen anymore. And if that, that does happen, you're likely to finish in the, uh, at least in the thirties. And that, that could be enough especially if it happens before the stages, it could be enough to lose points and allow yourself to fall out of contention or fall out, out of the, the top four. So there's a lot of things you have to uh, consider and look out for uh, going into these last two uh, races here in the playoffs. And I mean, we give it to Almanier, give it to Cindric, but of course all those things could happen. And then uh, with the other guys trying to keep their spot, there's a lot of uh, things that could happen there. They could get taken out or uh, have bad luck happen to them too, or, uh, one of the other guys is able to uh, win their way in uh, using good strategy and or uh, using cautions to their advantage to be able to get in. So uh, it's going to be an interesting last two races before we get to Phoenix uh, for the Xfinity series. And definitely think there's going to be a lot of hard racing, especially uh, for that last spot. And then I think for uh, Almendinger and Cindric, like we've seen all season. Yeah, and I it we it's basically like you said. I mean, when it comes to this, it's gonna come down the way it is in Cup. It's Larson and Hamlin. 
I mean, Hamlin came out and said it would be pretty bad if one of us doesn't win the championship. Well, one guy already booked his ticket. We'll see if Hamlin can. I think it's going to be less of an issue for Allmendinger or and or Sindrick um, outside of the you know nightmare scenario, like you mentioned. You know, kind of like uh, like Briscoe got wrecked by. Um, Garrett Smithley a couple, two, three years ago, whatever it was, when he was trying to win and get himself in the Final Four and it eventually cost him a chance to run for the championship that year. Um, It would take something like that, really, to come off. Um, And and also the the point you made there, which was great, about prior to stage points, you know, like if you don't even make it out of the first stage, that is dire straight. You're going to make no points. At least if you get stage points, you get through the first two stages, you might be able to bank, you know, 20 points. You might be able to bank 15 points, something like that, depending on the run you have. And based on that, you could salvage what is akin to getting a 25th place finish. You could finish 38th and have the same amount of points as a person who finished 25th. That's not as bad. It's not great. But, you know, to be determined, I doubt that that'll happen. But, hey, it is racing. So anything really is possible. The um, next part of the show, there's been news uh, today in regards to IndyCar. A little bit of IMSA news earlier this week as well. Uh, the Christian Lundgaard, the F2 driver uh, connected to Alpine, uh, goes and decides to move away from Formula 2, move away from a possible Formula 1 job, if that was really ever going to be the case, the way the Alpine Driver Academy is. Uh, and he's going to be driving the third Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car starting in um, 2022 for multiple years. Uh, We'll join Jack Harvey, who was hired uh, officially. I mean, I think everybody knew this months ago, but officially hired a few about a week or so ago to drive the high V45 car. And then, of course, Green Rehaul, um, who has lifetime membership. and then the, I mean, but for for Harvey, the high V deal moving into that high V car made it more likely, I I believe, for a Lundgaard to get this ride because of the you know family money and other other sponsors he brings to the table, relative to a Oliver Askew or a Santino Frucci, aka Root Beer Floathead, um, it would have been and. I mean, I think Oliver Askew would have been the better call, but then I also th- believe that if it was the high V car, and no offense to Jack Harvey, I think he's a nice guy, and maybe he gets along with Graham, and that's probably part of it. But if if Bobby Rahal was really serious about making this team come up to the level of a no, nah, I mean, I don't know how you can really move yourself up to that level of a Penske or Ganassi when they've been that good for that long. Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan's had their moments here and there over the years of more or less when Bobby was driving. There's a couple of years recently in the last like decade that 
or half decade or so where Graham's been there, but they're not a top echelon team. They're the next level. You know, they're not the big, the big three. I mean, Andretti Autosport doesn't run well enough across the board to justify them, as, but because they have four cars, we hold them as a big three. Colton Herta, at least for the next couple of days, is still an IndyCar driver. Um, and he's elite talent. And Alexander Rossi, even with all the crap that's gone on the last couple of years, is is a high-level driver. Um, so, but in terms of Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, what does this mean, uh, Josh? Uh, you know, Lungard's a young guy. He made the fast six at the Indy, a second Grand Indy GP or whatever, the summer race, and uh, had one test, showed up to, to Indy, never ran there before, put in the fast six, finished in the top 15 or whatever um, as a debut, and they said because of all the data and all the, the I guess, the feedback, that played a big role. Um, I'm certain that what I mentioned earlier played as much, if not a, as big of a role. Uh, but how do you look at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan now going into this offseason, but getting into next season with now Jack Harvey in the fold, Lundgaard as a rookie with a multi-year deal, and Ray Hall, who, you know, of course, you know, has had great runs and hadn't really been able to pay him off. Indy road course in the May was one example. Of course, Indianapolis 500, another one. There's other examples, but are they moving themselves into that conversation to be that next big team? Are they go? Are they in that same role or line as Arrow or the McLaren team? I guess they are the McLaren team now uh, as that next tier, or are they trying to move themselves up to kind of contend with Andretti even um, to look for that like third spot as the, as a team to contend with in this IndyCar series. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I mean, you talk about Ray Hall for years, it's our last couple of years has been Takuma Sato uh, and Graham Ray Hall, two veteran drivers in the series. And uh, now Takuma Sato's out and basically they've kind of remade the organization. You still have Graham Ray Hall, but now you bring in Jack Harvey, relatively young uh, Lundgaard rookie driver. And so now Graham Ray Hall is going to take on a leadership role uh, in the organization, uh, probably greater than what he uh, had or larger role in that aspect than what he had before. So uh, now there's a little bit on uh, Graham to be able to, especially with Lingard to, you know, help him get acclimated into the series. And uh, certainly Jack Harvey uh, can lean on him for experience as well. So that's uh, one thing to consider, but I think um, Lingard, he's had a lot of good speed uh, that he's shown uh, in the one race that he had, he qualified fourth at the Indianapolis road course and then finished in 12th, uh, which was pretty impressive for start uh, IndyCar and uh, had a lot of, a lot of pace there. So, uh, definitely going to bring a lot of that raw ability and talent uh, into the series. And I think, uh, for, for Ray Hall, I think if, if, if they're able to, uh, bring that type of, uh, success or type of pace to 
each race next year. I think they definitely can be in that conversation to be uh, one of the top three teams in IndyCar. Uh, certainly, I mean, Graham's kind of carried the water over the years uh, for the most part. And then there's been a few spots where Takuma Sato has been able to uh, kind of equal him, but not quite. It's been kind of uneven uh, for, for a bit there on that team. But I think uh, at best right now, they're probably, uh, or at least before these moves, they're probably the maybe fifth best team in any car right, uh, right now. But I think uh, going into next year, definitely can uh, up themselves a, a couple spots higher, possibly into that uh, third uh, level team, especially with uh, these two new drivers and uh, Honda, you know, continue to giving support to them. Uh, they can probably uh, challenge, especially on the ovals and some of these road courses. Uh, they'll definitely have a lot of pace to be able to challenge up there. I think definitely be up, up in that conversation to be behind Penske and, uh, Ganassi, of course. And then, but I, I still think McLaren, if they can get it right with, uh, their other car with, if, you know, they've are, been able to show paddle award, uh, he's had a lot of speed, but they can get, uh, Felix Horizon quest, uh, up there as well and give him help and get him up to speed on the same level as, as paddle award. I think there's definitely a conversation to be had that they're probably also in that contention for third best team in, uh, IndyCar, possibly maybe even, uh, challenged Ganassi and Penske uh, closer than uh, what they were able to do this year in, in 2021. So there's a lot of moving parts in play, but definitely think with uh, a lot of these silly season moves, um, there could be could be a changing of the guard as far as like the team hi- uh, hierarchy here uh, in the series. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the McLaren team and they're going to test Nico Hulkenberg, of course, uh, longtime Formula One driver, winner of the 24 hours of Ma on debut for Porsche. Um, I'm sure that if one of these teams that is in a hypercar program or uh, whatever, the LDPIH, whatever the hell they're calling it, LMPH, whatever the... It wouldn't be a bad idea to sign him. Uh, but, you know, something to be seen. Uh, well. Uh, the, there are rumors or been rumors about them going to three cars. Uh, they had Juan Pablo Monterrier uh, drive the third car at Indy, and he did a great job considering he hasn't been in an Indy car in a while. And but then he's also great at Indianapolis too. So there's just there's something to be said about veteran experience. Um, we'll see how that goes or what that means. Uh, speaking of sports cars. Uh, going to mention Ganassi here uh, the Cadillac they have the Cadillac program they're one of the two factory efforts there they're going to have Earl Bamba Earl Bamba uh, lead if you voice uh, Sebastian Bourdais Alex Lynn and then of course Renger Van de Zanda um, will be uh, returning and um Dutchman will finish season and after to determine they haven't determined the driver pairings as of yet, but to think about, you know, Renger van der Zandu's contended and won uh, titles in IMSA already um, in a Cadillac with uh, Wayne Taylor. And then they've won this year, him and Kevin Magnuson, Kevin Magnuson's leveraged uh, this program to become basically the head driver at the Peugeot uh program for the uh 
their their deal uh, with um, LMH or whatever they're calling it, LMDH. There you go, and uh, or LM. Yeah, it's a or hypercar. Sorry, they're hypercar. All these damn nomenclatures just fucking call it a prototype. Uh, you know that that's going to be interesting to see. They're going to be really um, tough to contend with. Of course, Mazda leaves um, the series after this year. You have, I mean, the Honda Pro, the Acura program's only two cars. Uh, you know, Action Express has one car, and they run that second car for Jimmy Johnson um, for um, for the Enduros. And then when you consider full season, it looks like Acura with uh, with the Wayne Taylor Racing is gonna has a good chance to win the title, uh, but to be determined. The Meyer Shank team uh, will have Elio Castro Dash Neves of uh, for Indianapolis 500 wins fame, uh, defending IMSA prototype champion uh, last year with Dane Cameron. He'll come back for um, Petit Lamar. He did run the Rolex 24 with the, uh, with the Wayne Taylor team and took down that W. So he won two of the big ones this year. And then he will... Uh, they'll invite back Juan Pablo Monterrier, um, who's been running in World Endurance Championship. Is not Cameron. Cameron. Oh wow, that's crazy. Cameron's gonna go to go back to Porsche or go back to Penske. So Olivier Pla, they got rid. They just basically sent him, and then. Oh, maybe that means we'll get to see uh, Juan Pablo Monterrier back here. That'd be that'd be cool. I didn't know that. Um, six, yeah, and then well, presumably. So the bid farewell to WeatherTech Sports. Yeah, so okay. So that'll be. There's a lot of, that I didn't even know about there, and that makes it kind of cool. And then. Because I'm a Juan Pablo Montoya fan uh, in general, it might be a precursor of what they're planning for the full season. Might be an option for Sebastian too if he comes and if they decide they want to go that way. And Jim Meyer and and Michael Shank want to go and leverage uh, their situation long term uh, as a organization, but. The IMSA prototype right now, before the convergence really comes through, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of great driving talent that not only is involved in prototypes as of now, but people that are trying to get themselves into prototypes or put themselves into the fold, uh, like a Connor D. Filippi who's been driving for BMW and their factory program, running LMP3 equipment as they've talked about on motorsport.com uh, you know there's people who've been driving the um lmp3 category there's lmp the you know you think about colin brown uh, amongst others 
Uh, it's something that there's a lot of moving parts because of all these factory efforts that are coming through because of this convergence. It's amazing what happens um, when you have all these different brands decide to actually agree to a a, a, a product that could can along with BOP with good BOP uh, allow a lot of people to compete. We'll see how it works. It's sports cars, you know. We'll how whoever comes through and comes with the fastest car could affect a whole bunch of things and they'll start falling off the side as they've always have um, through the years. Uh, the NASCAR needs F1 approach. Well, um, Denny Hamlin said that, but then that, I think that's Denny Hamlin, the car owner talking. Um, going into the GSP roundup, uh, this come this week, we have the race at uh, Villacum, uh, which is the uh, next to last round of the championship. They'll be going to uh, Mandalika. He's got some weird ass names for these places. Going to Raskat Gulu wins the first race over Ray and Ruben Rinaldi. Garrett Gerloff finished seventh. The Super Pole race. Raskat Tagulu wins over Redding and Ray. Gerloff finished seventh. And then race two. Uh, saw Scott Redding beat Johnny Ray and Raskat Tagulu. Garrett Gerloff finished eighth. Uh, the points going into the final race weekend here in a few weeks' time. Raskat Liogu. Yeah, yeah, well, you know what? I might learn how to pronounce it if he comes on the show. How about that one? Maybe he won't come on the show anyways because I can't pronounce his fucking name. And we can't coordinate the times because he's targeted in Europe. But he's got a 20-point lead over Johnny Ray to stop him from winning his, like, 800th title in a row. You know, writing his third. Ruben Rinaldi and Locatelli are only separated by eight points for fourth. Um, Vandermark or Lowe, Gerloff is tied with Alex Lowe's for seventh in points, and he's 23 points behind Vandermark for, uh, for sixth. So we'll see what happens with that uh, and how things go. Got a few weeks to, that'll just be, that'll be just before Thanksgiving. So we got time to, get into that in more detail uh, moto uh, the nhra thunder valley nationals took place uh last week which saw alexis de and funny car win for the first time she got her first number one in a long time as well so big deal on that front um you know you gotta, mike salinas got another uh, win in top fuel Angel Sampay on the Pro Stock motorcycle uh, for another win for her and put herself right into the battle for points. And so, I mean, that'll be cool for her to win. Sampay first points win there at Bristol, and she's won 40, it's her 45th victory. 25 points uh, within 25 points are just over around behind Matt Smith. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in regards to her, if she can go and get yet another championship many years after her last one, uh, 
the uh, if possible, repair Zuki That's interesting. Showing all these science damn experiences, the standings, the two races to go. Steve Torrens. I does that say following ten of twenty three? That makes no sense. Um, Steve Torrens has a seventy three point lead over Brittany Force. So that accounts to 20 points around. Of course, that doesn't add the play uh, the the qualifying points, but basically think four rounds. So if he has a I mean, I think it's points and a half. So if he can leave Las Vegas with a hundred point lead or there or around there, it's almost a lock for Torrance to win yet another top field title. Ron Caps is a one point lead over Matt Hagen. 83-point lead over J.R. Todd and 101 points over John Force. Screw Spencer Gunn and John Force. Uh, it'll need a miracle for those two, J.R. Todd, all three of those, all five, the top five of all one championships. Robert Heights had a rough countdown. He's a multi-time champion. Um, reality is Matt Hagen, is he going to walk? Is he going to walk off and walk out of uh, DSR uh, as a champion? Or will he cede to his teammate, Ron Caps, of course, who took a, who took a long time for him to win a championship? Um, can he get another one? Of course, he got close to winning Indy for the first time. Didn't get that one. Maybe he can go and get the championship hardware instead. In the pro stock car category, Greg Anderson has an 81-point lead. So four plus rounds on Erica Enders, and it's really basically those two. Uh, the youth movement, though, in pro stock is coming with Dallas Glenn, who drives for KB. Uh, uh, he's a teammate to Greg Anderson, took over for, uh, what's his name, Jason Line. And then KB's third car is the Kyle Koretsky car. And then you have Aaron Stanfield, which is connected to um, the elite team along with Troy Coughlin and then you have the McGahays and all that so pro stocks basically over Greg Anderson's been around since I don't know Zeus along with like freaking Warren Johnson he's gonna get his first championship uh, in a while and it'll be in a HendrickCars.com car just like uh Kyle Larson Matt Smith, as I said, 25 points out of Angel Sampe. Steve Johnson, 56 points, so less than three rounds for him. So it's still kind of a three-rider battle. Two of them on Suzuki's, so that's also interesting. Uh, versus uh, what it's been over time, which when Harley was still involved, it's the Vance and Irons team has went to Buell. Buells for um the for Craywick and Andrew Hines and they got a Suzuki for Angel Sampe. So we'll see if Angel can win another title. It's been many years for her to go and win a title. It's possible she could go and pull that off. It'd be something if she can beat Matt Smith the way that bike's been running um all year and in the last couple of years. The uh, Moto GP and Moto Two um, MotoGP teams are pressure riders, not respect. Well, that's true. Not fair pay. Uh, yeah, it's a motor from not getting a. Yeah, well, he's won Ray Rossi's really nice. Yeah, well, you've won enough championships. Uh, you're okay. Uh, Fabio Quattararo has a 52 point lead, uh, coming into this weekend's race at Misano. There's still four rounds to go in the championship, so. Uh, it's still uh, a points race if things go a certain way, uh, but 
Quattro could do something, you know, pretty big taking Yamaha that hasn't been that competitive the last few years. Go out there, win a championship. Well, you know, you, you got Ducati's there, Joanne Mir, the defending world champion there in third. Ducati's second, fourth, and fifth. And then, yeah, so we'll see what happens in that in that sense for MotoGP and Moto2. It's going to be an interesting battle between Remy Gardner and Raul Fernandez, only nine points between those two. The Americans, Joe Roberts is 12th, Aaron Bobier 16th. And you'll see what the, those two can do here over the last three rounds of the champ. They'll only have three more rounds of the championship. Uh, see what they can do in those. The Extreme E will be back uh, this coming uh, weekend in Sardinia. They already started putting posts up on their socials in regards to some of the environmental uh, stuff that they're doing to preserve for preservation and all the other cool things they've been able to do. It's been a battle between the the Nico Rosberg team and the Lewis Hamilton team. We'll see what comes of that, and we'll give you a a heads up on what happened in Sardinia next week on episode 84 of the GSP. Uh, the W Series will finish their season this weekend at Coda with a doubleheader. As I finish that drink, uh, Jamie Chadwick, um, Alice Powell, are the drivers to watch they have their um they have their uh points battle going on right now and lock themselves into driving again next year um pal and chadwick are tied at 109 points so I guess it's simple. Whoever does better across those two races will be champion. Uh, Chadwick is the champion from a couple of years ago. Uh, the top 12 drivers will um, advance to the next next year's um, series. And the Betske Visser, who had the massive crash at Spa, is running his 12th. Um, but she's not running, so it's really about Jessica Hawkins, Abby Eatner at 19 points. Um, there's, in the end of the day, Sabri Cook's the only one that hasn't scored points yet. Vicky Perea's won. There's opportunities even for them, and going from that, there's it's close battles, like 20 points from 6 to 12. And then from 12 to is 18 points. So 12 to last is 18 points. So we'll see what comes of that. They'll be running at Coda, be a little um, more, a little bit rougher track. It'll kind of go and flow into uh, what 
we see even in the W series in that sense. Uh, on one hand, they're saying no F1 announcement uh, is not exactly during this U.S. Grand Prix. Uh, Texas based Romanta. Timeline for negotiations and acquisitions extended on the defined point that in light of change of plans, the code of appearance by injuries and one of the alpha rank will not take place. So, okay. Well, the reality is this. Uh, Andretti, Michael Andretti is going to take over Sauber or his consortium of people that he has with him are going to take over Sauber. And the likelihood that Colton Herta is going to move to Formula One is looking more and more likely, uh, highly likely, because Kyle Kirkwood was driving the Gainbridge car at the test, um, recent test, and that's hedging for the fact that they were not going to lose a guy who has won at every rung on every rung of the road to Indy ladder, and if they had let him go. I think Roger Penske would have been like, okay, I'll I'll make a fourth car for him. Chip Ganassi would have been like, you know, whatever, Jimmy. We go and call Carvana and say we need him. You know, like Alex Pelot would have been like, oh, crap, I have to drive with him. You know, like Scott Dixon, like, oh, okay. That's how good Kyle Kirkwood is. Um so it looks like Andretti Autosport is hedging on all those angles. Um, they know they have Colton Herta. I don't think they're worried about his viability long-term because he's so young. I think they can bring him back. I mean, before we get into the U.S. Grand Prix stuff, uh, let's talk about that first, Josh. I know it hasn't been officially announced. There's a bunch of rumors. They're not going to say They're not going to announce it this week. It looks like... But for all intents and purposes, within this North and South American run before they go to the Middle East, we're probably going to hear about a takeover of a Formula One team by a major American uh, mogul team. Um, that'll be the second team in this, their third. In, in, if we really start getting into semantics, it's the third team that has some sort of American connection. Uh, of course, McLaren with uh, Zach Brown and all the connections and the teams he has all over the world right now, and his connections, of course, with motorsport. And then Haas, for better or worse, even though they're basically the Russian national team. And um, and they run like what Haas was before Tony Stewart bought in the cup team. And then you have what will be this with Michael Andretti buying into Formula One all these years, nearly two decades after his ill, uh, ill fated attempt to run in Formula One when they went and basically 180 the whole entire rules package after he had ran tests for over the two years in a in a normally aspirated V12 Honda with the H pattern gearbox. And then they cut pit whatever testing away in time and practice time and only gave you 12 laps to make a qualifying run. And they made some basically automatic gearbox transmissions and um, what do you call 
active suspensions and the whole whole bit. But Michael Andretti buying into Formula One is a pretty big deal, I would say. And for Sauber, of course, which has been a team that's been around since 1993 in Formula One and well before that um, in sports cars and in other entities, uh, it would be a big deal for them to sell out of the sport um, after being involved for so long. Yeah, I mean, you talk about three, potentially three American or, you know, teams with a lot of American interest. You know, you mentioned McLaren, of course, the Zach Brown, and then there's Haas who's, uh, they, they took over the team. And now of course, you know, they have Russian interest as well, but still principal owner is American. Of course. And now you have, uh, Michael Andretti, uh, looking like he's going to take a controlling interest in, uh, this uh, Alfa Romeo team, so it's it's uh, looking like the series is going to have a lot of American influence now because they're also talking about adding a third race, possibly Las Vegas in the calendar in you know in the near future potentially uh, in the series. Now you have three American owners and potentially even three uh, American racetracks with also Coda, of course, that which we'll talk about in a minute, and then Miami next year uh, is looking like they're really trying to enforce uh, Liberty media, American company, right. Uh, that they're trying to really bring uh, formula one to the U S and uh, you know, raise the profile of the sport here. And I mean, that's how you've got to do it, I guess, with um, these names that we just mentioned, having all these races over here, of course, and it looks like it could be working with, you know, we've now have a uh, Michael Andretti looking like it's going to happen. Miami's happening next year. I think, TV ratings uh, for American interest in Formula One seems to be going up. So looks like it could be a, a good investment. We'll see. I mean, I think uh, Americans need to watch uh, Formula One. It's a good sport. Talk about uh, also the Netflix deal. Uh, a lot of people that didn't know about Formula One racing suddenly interested now uh, because the drive to survive. Um, so when you look at it from that point of view, it's uh, pretty significant as well. Um, but as far as like the team aspect also, I think uh, with Andretti taking interest in it, of course, he wants to be competitive. I think it's not going to want to be like how this team is performing right now. It's mostly kind of sometimes on a good day in the midfield, but mostly finish outside of the points on the regular. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen's of course, retiring this year, but um, hasn't really had all that good of a performance in that car. Uh, Giovinazzi hasn't really done much. Uh, if anything in that car. Uh, so I think he's going to want to put a lot of money in this team to uh, let it be more competitive. And I think probably going to want to put it into a situation where they can regularly finish in the points. Uh, they can, you know, challenge uh, maybe not for podiums, but certainly they could be a threat for like a potentially like, you know, fifth place, sixth place finish in, uh, in that team. Maybe, maybe what we thought Haas was going to be at the very beginning when they, uh, scored back-to-back points uh, in their first couple of races uh, that they had back in 2016, uh, but they haven't really had anything uh, of much uh, since that race or you know that season. So I think for uh, for uh, Andretti when he buys in, I think uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, effort to raise their profile as a team uh, in this series right now. Of course, uh, with uh, you know you have Mercedes has been dominant. You have uh, McLaren is up on the rise. Red Bull certainly looking like it's going to be taking over the competitive mantle, uh, and so they have a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, ground to make up to those teams. And I think uh, 
Andretti is definitely going to uh, be up for that challenge. And uh, certainly he's going to want to have some kind of interest and he's going to want to have Colton Herta uh, have his best chance of success at Formula One because with Michael Andretti wasn't successful at all at his uh, one time stint in uh, Formula One. So I think he's going to want Colton Herta to do better than that. I think right now Colton Herta, I mean, want him to stay in IndyCar, but I mean, it looks like he's going to be going to Formula One very soon. So think with with all that in mind uh colton herner is going to want to be in a position where he can be competitive and not be some uh kind of also ran uh and so there there you go another american thing and that's the one missing part that i think get more americans and um talking about formula one get interested as an actual american driver and colton herder i mean he's you know he's not like the biggest i mean he is the biggest name i think right now in indycar racing overall but of course still a lot of uh, americans don't know him but i think if they they can market him right and everything if uh, liberty media and espn can promote him right to the audience i think uh you'll get a, a lot of traction so uh that's the other part uh that's missing here is an american driver and certainly don't want an american driver just being also ran i mean that's what alexander rossi was for the most part just never got into a good ride and then of course finds himself driving for andretti in the states and now his teammate Colton Herta has an opportunity to uh, potentially be in a, a car that could be competitive if they play their cards right. So there's a lot to uh, look at from that announcement uh, that could happen. Of course, not going to happen this weekend at Coda. I mean, it should. Why not? It's uh, in America here at Coda, but whatever reason, it's not going to happen. Colton Herta was supposed to test uh, in practice on Friday, but uh, that's not also going to take place either. So uh, we'll have to see once his. Um, much anticipated test is going to take place and how he's going to do in that car, if, um, how his speed is going to be compared to uh, Giovinazzi, compared to uh, Raikkonen, and even probably the rest of the field of where he'd place and get a taste of what it's like to drive a Formula One car and certainly what uh, fans will see from him, what media will see from him and uh, his ability uh, to race in that type of car. Yeah, and his dad, of course, uh, Brian Herta, many years back tested for Paul Stoddard and the minority team. Uh, Paul Stoddard, it was European minority, whatever the hell they called it. Uh, his daughter bangs out uh, Toto Wolf. Um, um, so that's, it'll be something uh, as it stands right now, more than likely it's going to be a brand new lineup at this Sauber team. It'll be Andretti, whatever they're going to call it. This team is going to have a brand new lineup. Uh, you have likely Colton Herta, and then we don't know who the other person's going to be. Uh, there's been lots of rumors. I mean, Giovinazzi is there, uh, but you would, there's the Nick DeVries, uh, the Formula E champion, is an option. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, the Chinese driver uh, from the Alpine Academy, which is part of the reason why Christian Lundgaard is in IndyCar now. There's other guys within the Alpine Academy. There's Ferrari-connected people that it's not a Ferrari drive anymore. I, I wonder about power units, if they would go to Renault, perhaps, um, with the Andretti switch, uh, because Renault doesn't have a second team. Uh, Mercedes has a lot of teams, so I have a hard time believing they're going to go and uh, supply another one. Ferrari, uh, the Ferrari situation isn't as competitive, of course, outside of the actual team. Maybe he keeps the Ferrari connection. Of course, his father, Mario, um, famously did drive for Ferrari, not only in 
F1, but in sports cars in his um, great career. Uh, I think for Michael, um, whatever we can get into it when it comes to what happened to him in Formula One, uh, but he was a great driver, won over 40 IndyCar races, and he's built on an, an amazing team here in IndyCar and then branched out into all these different entities, um, whether Rally Cross or, you know, now Formula E. Uh, they announced some bit, whatever, uh, a new, uh, what is it, crypto company is sponsoring them because they're losing the BMW uh, factory support. And then you have, you know, su supporting racetracks and uh, there's all kinds of stuff that they're doing, uh, you know, promoting and stuff like that. So they're going to bring a new energy to the sport, to Formula One in regards to cash. Uh, we'll see what new sponsors they can get in there. Having Colton, who has run in Europe, understands the European way. His dad has prepared him to be fair. His dad has prepared him to do this. Are they going to be competitive next year? I have a hard time believing they are. Um, you know, Haas has had a whole year to basically say, oh, we're going to go for 2022. And I have a hard time believing they're going to be competitive. The form, I think the the reality is the form guide. We'll get into more into it later in the winter. We'll probably have some guests on, some people that have been on, and some collaborations to kind of discuss. But I don't think it's going to be as extreme as 2009. Um, I just have a hard time believing that. Uh, but who knows? Uh, before we get to the new rules changes and all that, we've cashed out um, to a good extent what we think is going to happen with the Sauber Alpha Slobber team. But talking about the present, we have a great Formula One championship battle with uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton has been... A dominant at Circuit of the Americas from the moment they came onto the schedule in 2012. And he's been great at the U.S. Grand Prix, period. Uh, he won the last U.S. Grand Prix at Indianapolis. And he won the first U.S. Grand Prix at Coda. And he's won multiple races at Coda. Uh, but then he's also gotten picked off by Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, the track is very rough, and it, the MotoGP people, the guys were all whining. So I can only imagine what the car guys are going to be feeling. Um, do you think that this suits? Is it make? Does this give Red Bull a better shot with the track surface, or does this fit right in the hands of, you know, the one hundred win guy? the guy who's won seven world championships and is trying to retake the points lead going into, uh, you know, the next couple of races before they go out into the Middle East. Well, I think with, you know, with Max Verstappen, he's a pretty aggressive driver uh, as a young driver is usually uh, in this series and Red Bull, they have a lot of speed and everything and they, have a lot of things going for, for them right now. Of course, uh, they got accurate backing this weekend or branding uh, instead of the Honda stuff, trying to put the American uh, 
accurate brand, of course, um, which I like, uh, accurate driver here, but, uh, you know, uh, I think for, on the other hand, you have Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, they've got a lot of experience, uh, behind them, of course, the 100 wins, but for Lewis, I mean, he's, uh, pretty aggressive as well, but I, I think being someone with a lot of experience, he knows, uh, how to pace himself in the car, I think, and with Verstappen, I think with the worn out track surface or, you know, certainly track was a lot rougher, uh, could, could, uh, come back to bite him. Maybe at first builds up a big lead, but wears out the tires, uh, too fast and, uh, loses pace. And then, uh, Lewis Hamilton's able to pick him up, uh, you know, get back at him and take the lead. And so I think, uh, that could potentially happen. Lewis, maybe they don't have as much pace, so save it on the tires and they're able to use a better tire strategy by taking softer or harder tires at the beginning of the race, or, and then potentially, um, using that to, uh, or well, softer tires really, but, uh, being able to manage that throughout the race and, uh, uh, use uh, that to his advantage, of course, and could could potentially go uh, lose Hamilton's way if he's able to manage the tires properly uh, compared to Verstappen, and they're able to actually have a good pit strategy with uh, Mercedes. We've seen them in the past couple of races have some pretty questionable pit strategy, and uh, they didn't uh, execute it right for whatever reason. And I think now they have an opportunity here, especially with uh, this track service. They definitely have an opportunity to be able to. Um, correct that and actually get it right this time and maybe it'll be a lot more interesting race uh than what most people might think it might be so i think with just with tire wear alone uh, i think that's going to be a, a huge factor maybe than what we've seen before maybe we see something like how uh back at silverstone last last year lewis hamilton of course limping back on the last lap with uh blown out tires maybe maybe we see that with max Verstappen if he drives it too aggressively pushes it too hard uh could be what a uh, pretty big sight to see and i think um uh with uh with all that in play it's uh, gonna be a very interesting race for sure um i think for for max he's got to be able to be aggressive but then um they've got to be able to pace themselves and i think uh lewis with their car not being on the same level i think they're gonna be maybe a little conservative but it's gonna play right into their hands so we'll have to see what happens yeah, the I think at the end of the day, we'll see what free practice provides us on Friday. Uh, this battle's going all the way to the end of the season at Abu Dhabi, no matter what, what happens, really. Now that they've gone to their fourth power unit, they've both taken their grid penalties. It's back to, okay... Every race, you know, it's going to be a straight-up fight now. Um, they're not going to have any issues with, you know, additional penalties, I would hope. Um, it kind of makes me feel like F1 should basically, if you're going to keep on adding these effing races, you should add a power unit, um, especially with all the changes that are coming into 2022. Uh, because I think engine penalties and Grid spot penalties are one of the dumbest things that exists. It almost cost Alex Pillow a championship in IndyCar. Uh, in the end, unless you're you're doing, I mean, they can't find money because in the end, with Formula One, there's a lot of money, and in IndyCar, they don't give any money in the purses. So, but grid spot penalties are just 
idiotic, especially to the lay person trying to explain it to them, trying to watch motorsport for the first time and how that can affect a championship. Uh, I mean, the point you made about Mercedes strategy, they need to, they need to clean that up. The pit stops I think are basically now equal. Um, the slowing those the things they've done to slow down pit stops have hurt Red Bull to a point um and have assisted Mercedes to a point. And if that if Lewis is able to put a qualifying together, of course, this has been the best year of Max Verstappen's career in regards to qualifying. If he can get the pole and actually get a start, I mean, he can get a pole. The Mercedes drivers have been god awful uh starting races. They need to get a start. Um, I mean, Silverstone was one of the only times this year where Lewis has gotten a good start, and then we saw what happened. But the reality is if you can't get a good start, it's the same for a lot of these other series anymore. You're going to be screwed. And, and even at Coda, with how difficult the first sector is with all the S-curves and tightness and all that, um, second sector is long straight then you have the third sector with a lot of more mickey mouse section leading out into the the star finish you have to be able to have a car that has balance you have to have a car that's going to be able to ride the bumps well and i think that opens things up and that probably runs that goes and falls into mercedes hands they don't have the fastest car. Red Bull does. They are. They have had to run more downforce for a lot of the year. Uh, they have the best driver. Um, no matter what anyone wants to say, Lewis Hamilton has the stats to prove it. And this is a track that he's been great at. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, personally, uh, my bias aside. I feel like it's a Lewis weekend, um, but it wouldn't shock me if it went the other way. Uh, before we go into the midfield battle and other people we may see as, as possible contenders for not only a good points, but a podium, uh, who do you think, Josh, uh, as the winner this weekend at uh, the U.S. Grand Prix at COTA? Uh, I, I think it's going to be Lewis Hamilton. I think uh, this is a critical point for him in the championship. And I think for Max Verstappen, you know, they have a lot of pressure on them as well. But I think this track fits uh, Lewis a little bit better. And he's definitely won at this track in the past. Max hasn't won yet at Coda. Uh, so he's probably going to be a little bit more aggressive trying to win at America. But I, I think for Lewis, uh, you know, he's had experience this track for winning and I think it's going to play into his hand. Uh, so I think, uh, especially with the we talked about earlier with, uh, the rough track and potential tire wear, I think, uh, it's going to be Lewis's race to win. So two, uh, picks for LH 44, uh, this week, we'll see how that comes off. I would like to be able to say that we picked that, uh, when I go on the grid talk podcast this weekend for the, uh, recap, but um, in regards to who else we need to look at this coming weekend, uh, 
battles up front is, of course, the biggest deal. But you have the likes of Sergio Perez between this weekend and, of course, uh, Mexico coming back to the calendar for the first time in a couple of years. Home game, bringing Red Bull, driving a Red Bull, I'm sure it's going to be a big intensity. There's a lot of fans. Uh, you have McLaren. Daniel Ricardo is going to get to drive the uh, Blue Goose. And then, you know, Lando's been the third best driver most of this season. Of course, Ferrari's up there. They've had good fortune at times at Coda. Uh, and then other people, Pierre Gasly. You know, there's people we have to look at, but what are you thinking? Um, before I add my thoughts, uh, what are you thinking, Josh, in regards to people we need to look for outside of, of course, the um, the battle between Lewis and Max? Well, I think you start off with McLaren. I think with especially with uh, Daniel Ricardo, as you mentioned, he's going to be driving Dale Earnhardt's stock car at Coda, which is going to be pretty exciting to see. But also, I mean, he considers America with um, his second home with Austin been pretty good for him uh, as a as a track. He's posted good results there, so uh, pretty interested to see what Daniel Ricardo is able to do uh, this weekend if he's able to uh, finish better than his teammate Lando Norris and is able to finish well within the points, at least a, a top five. That would be pretty interesting to see. Uh, I think Lando Norris also has got to be able to get back on track to try to get to uh, third on the podium for uh, the point standings and also probably podium in the race, falling a little bit behind uh, Valtteri Botas there. Of course, got his first uh, win of the season uh, previously in, in Formula One. So I think it's uh, going to be interesting for McLaren. Also got to talk about uh, Alpine, Fernando Alonso, another fan, uh, another driver that fans here in the United States have been pretty familiar with the uh, last couple of years, of course, with his uh, stints uh, at the Indy 500 and dabbling uh, with uh, the American fan base there. Definitely earned my respect. A lot of other American fans respect uh, and has posted a lot of solid finishes uh, for the Alpine team. So uh, look look to see what both him and his team at uh, Espan O'Connor are able to do at this racetrack uh, this weekend if they can score points. Of course, uh, you mentioned um, Ferrari as well, which uh, they've had success in the past with both Vettel and Raikkonen winning at the uh, U.S. Grand Prix. But then I think also let's look at the other Red Bull team. Uh, Pierre Gasly has been the best driver, of course, for that team this whole year uh, and also going to be carrying the Acura branding there too with uh, Honda, of course. So I think uh, for uh, that team, do they finish in the points? Are they competitive relative uh, to the rest of the midfield? Uh, you know, does his teammate Yuki Sonoda, does he have a good showing uh, here at this race? Uh Going into uh, the U.S. Grand Prix, uh, he's had a pretty rough uh, rookie of the year or rookie year. So, I think uh, for for him, if he's able to improve upon his results that he's had this season, that's going to be interesting to see. So, I think this race is going to be um, throughout the whole field, whether it's uh, Max and Lewis up front or the midfield, McLaren, Ferrari, Al Alpine. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people to look at in regards to. Uh this race this weekend i think after this weekend it's kind of a little bit more status quo especially at uh at the uh, and mexico and the uh, and then also brazil oh, uh, auto jomo hermano Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah thanks man uh 
and then um, the Brazilian Grand Prix, of course, in Sao Paulo, and then three you know, Middle East races, which will be on billiard tables, smooth tracks. Of course, Qatar will be the new one, um, kind of a wild card. But all the all the Middle East tracks are kind of in uh, a similar vein in regards to the kind of characteristics and the like uh, towards what we'll see. So it, it, yeah, we got all that. Yeah, Saudi's a brand new track, and of course, Qatar, brand new track. So, and then the Saudi track, there's it's longer straights. All that Abu Dhabi, of course, they've altered it a little bit, so it won't be as straightforward as it has been before. But you know, um, you, know, you have you have Coda, and you have a couple weeks' time before Mexico, and they'll run back to back with Brazil. And they'll actually run three in a row. They're going to run Mexico, Brazil, and Qatar. Uh, three weeks in a row, which is insane. Um, but uh, yeah, in regards to uh, the drivers and constructors standing, I'm curious to see what Valtteri will do. Um, oh, that's I, I forgot about that, that he's actually signed with what will be Andretti Autosport next year. Um, and he'll have a American teammate in Colton Herta. Uh, but that'll be interesting to see with that. Uh, Lando Norris, I think he has a recovery weekend this weekend and gets back closer to, uh, I mean, I, he's basically in a situation where it's going to be very hard for him to come back to get third, but uh, trying to stay ahead of Sergio Perez, go and give himself a shot. I think he'll have a good weekend this weekend. I also think Charles Leclerc will be up there in his battle with Carlos Sainz. They're only a half point separating the two of them. It'll be interesting to see what those two are able to do uh, at Coda. Of course, Ricardo's just going to be gassed up because he's in the goose. Gasly, um, been running well most of the year. And Fernando Alonso has got the respect of so many. Coming to America and uh, running well there will be a good deal for him. Uh, curious, uh, Vettel has had great moments at Coda. It'll be it'll be something to see what uh, Aston has to show and George Russell prior to showing up in a Mercedes next year uh, for the first of two U.S. Grand Prix they'll have next year. Uh, what he'll be able to do in Williams. Uh, the uh, NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series will be running at Kansas this coming weekend. Um, I'll send it to you, Josh. We'll go and start with the Xfinity Series and what you're, uh, who do you look at as your pick uh, for uh, the win at Kansas this weekend. Uh, Ty Gibbs is in the 54, uh, Sam Mir in the 8. 
we're trying to look at other people if there's any major changes or Moffitt. Yeah, he's still in 02. Bailey Curry's in the 15. Jordan Anderson will actually drive the 31. Uh, Dylan Lupton in the 26. Uh, Patrick Emerling, uh, modified star from the Northeast, will be driving the 23. And, well, yeah, Carson Ware's not going to be racing this weekend. They'll probably be putting somebody else in that car. And, uh, yeah. Uh, who do you look at, Josh, to win and uh, maybe stand out in regards to the point, the points drivers? Maybe it is a points driver, so I'll probably stand out by itself. Well, I think, you know, in this battle that we've had this year with uh, Austin Singer, KG Almendinger, Almendinger is kind of taking the edge uh, so far in this uh, battle. I mean, it was earlier in the season, it was uh, Austin Sendrick, but basically since the summer he's kind of fallen off but he's still there just uh it's been almondinger who's consistently been ahead of uh Sindrick so far but i think this is uh, a race for austin Sindrick to try to get back in it to give him uh, a little bit of positive momentum going into uh phoenix it's definitely uh lock him in here so i i'm gonna pick uh austin Sindrick. he's had good history on the uh, mile and a half tracks in the past uh should have won kansas last year i think uh, when they race in the summer and, uh, that was one Brandon Jones, uh, managed to, uh, fall into his lap there. But I think, uh, for this race, uh, it's going to be, uh, Austin Sindrick taking it. I think they've, uh, got the pace, uh, to be able to win, uh, with, uh, their car. Uh, so, uh, go ahead and pick him for this weekend, uh, in Kansas. I'm going to go and pick AJ Allmendinger. You know, I think it's. He's he's having a good he's had a great year, kind of a career year in regards to stock car racing for him, being an open wheel guy. And you know, for Cindric, I going with you, it's like he already knows he's driving a two car next year. It would be great for him to win two consecutive titles, at least for his resume. But I think I'm kind of wanting to see the celebration if AJ Allmendinger wins this championship because I'm not sure how functional he'll be uh, or how many weeks he'll need to recover from the celebration um, akin to what his buddy Michael Shank um, needed weeks to recover from all the celebrating he had he did winning the Indianapolis 500 with Elio Castro Dash Neves uh, I would say, though, the Ty Gibbs, who's going to lock up the ARCA title uh, this week, he'll uh, probably be somebody to look at as well for the win this weekend. Uh, going into the cup race on Sunday, uh, the Hollywood Casino 400, the reason why they have two races because Brian Fance owns that casino. And in regards to the uh, drivers, all the playoff drivers, of course, in top eight, I figure, I mean, it's easy to say Kyle Larson, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Brad Keselowski. Uh, 
and it's not a fandom thing. Now he's I'm won just, at Kansas. He's in the won past. at Kansas multiple times. His first win in the two car was in his second career win. Uh, was in a race at Kansas in 2011, and that was a fuel mileage race with him and Paul Wolf. Kind of makes me think I should have picked Joey Logano because, of course, he won this race last year. But the I'm looking at what he what happened last week and how they ran, and it would be something to see uh, Brad get in now that and if they were to get in with two 750 races coming up where the Penske team has been very good this season on the 750 racetracks albeit you know Ryan Blaney has done work uh on both or no he's done most of his work on 550 stuff but um it'll be something cool to see I kind of want that to happen to justify me work watching the race. Um, I would say also in terms of a wild card pick, Tyler Reddick's the guy. Um, at some point, it has to happen. You know, it's not as bad as like Daniel Hemrick because it hasn't gone on as long. But, you know, he's running well enough to win. It's whether RCR and, and them can actually put a car together that is the right trim level so that he can make moves. He could run the high line, which is more viable at Kansas than it is at the dump they were at last week. But it'll be cool to see a first-time winner here and kind of flip the script a bit in the um, Cup Series playoff. How about you, Josh? Well, I it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, with uh i mean brad's a pretty good pick there too uh, i think also tyler reddick could be with especially with the high line it's been pretty good uh lately in that car and that number eight car but you know kyle larson's been pretty successful this season led a lot of laps back in the spring kansas denny hamlin also was competing for the victory there as well but neither of them won and kyle wish ended up winning that race but i think um you know i mean talking about him earlier i think ryan blady comes out and wins this race um uh, go another Penske car you pick Brad I'll pick uh, Ryan Blaney young Ryan Blaney so uh, don't know how it's going to happen but I feel like could happen some late race uh, strategy or uh, some kind of uh, incident happens and Kyle Larson uh, isn't, isn't somehow able to win this race so uh, pick uh, Blaney here I think this is a, a type of race that could end up falling into his hands somehow. So uh, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, we wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Busch was up there again, or even chase Elliott, but I just feel like uh, Ryan Blaney uh, probably has the pace uh, out of the Penske car has been, been, I think the best Penske car this season for uh, the cups or in their uh, cup effort. So uh, I think he'll probably win this weekend. And so a pick. YRB getting a win would be good with the uh, with the fans, since I think he honestly is the most popular driver in the sport, but they don't want anyone to be Clyde. Um, I think Ryan Blaney is the most popular guy, though. We will see. And he has run well at Kansas at times. So I would also say that if you're a Gibbs guy, you don't want to leave it to Martinsville, even though Martinsville's been a great track for 
Gibbs over the years. It's it hasn't been as much for Truex and Kyle Busch as it has for Denny Hamlin, and of course Clyde won the last two races last year to win his uh, first Cup championship. So are you going to really leave it to chance when Martinsville has been a Hendrick stronghold uh, over the decades that they've been involved? Um, I'll let you talk first in regards to the football picks, Josh, uh, or football situation, since you guys actually played last week. Uh, your Jaguars were in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, and beat the Miami Dolphins, beat them so good that they're debating uh, giving up three ones for uh, Deshaun Watson because they don't really have a quarterback. So that'll be something to see. But uh, your thoughts on first win of the year for them, your look on the fantasy side of things, since I think you won. Or no, you you no, had I a lost. rough. You lost. I lost. We both got that after the tough battle we had. I was the lucky loser to you. You called it and said some effed up stuff a couple of weeks ago on the show about how you were going to go and beat me, and then it actually happened. And then, uh, but that this week it kind of all came back old country way, uh, as the Iron Sheik would say, um, on this side. Um, obviously you have another team too. So let's uh, hear about what's going on with all that. Yeah. I mean, for the fantasy stuff, uh, it, it's, uh, I beat you. And then it's like, well, I beat Philip. Oh, what did it cost? Everything. Well, not really, but <laughs> I mean, I ended up losing this week and uh, the projections just didn't go my way this week. I think it was, I, I thought the other guy I was playing, Nick was uh, not going to have a good week at all based on what it was looking like. And then, uh, his guys just, you know, of course, the team with the most points uh, at the end of the day wins. That's how it works. So uh, for uh, that, I mean, it's uh, early in the season, so I guess can afford to take two losses. But, you know, with, with the way the way this uh, thing works, uh, I mean, Wilson's already at 6-0, and so he's looking like he's um, going to be the, the front runner for this uh, coming up and going to have to play him. And uh, if, if you lose to him, to Wilson, you, you only take one loss or two losses, but then if you lose to him now, it's like that's three losses and that puts you in a tough spot for uh, seeding for playoffs. So, I mean, luckily this week playing uh, Professor J, your friend, uh, Professor J, AKA the Gringo Mandingos. So, uh, I mean, it's looking like that could be a win, but can't guarantee anything. Of course, he's, Oh, and uh, five, oh, and six, uh, to start the year now, so uh, that's uh, not pretty good for him. Uh, so gonna have to work some waiver wire here as I got some guys in the bye week, uh, so gotta adjust my lineup for that for people around the bye week and cut some guys that uh, aren't playing but are, aren't good, and then there are guys that you're gonna have to have to bench just to um, keep them on the lineup and everything. Um, then my other league, I won uh, by a couple like 10 points, uh and was able to get a third win there this season. So um, at, least, at least in one fantasy league I won, but, you know, always want to win in the money league when I paid money to be in. So um, that's uh, how I feel, you know, about that. But, um, of course, the big thing is the Jags winning finally in 2021. Um, I think it was going to eventually happen at this point. I mean, I think they're playing good enough to win. It was just a matter of time before they actually did win. Um, and 
fortunately they're able to uh, face the Miami Dolphins who are probably just as bad as them. But you know the Jags hung around the whole game. Uh, they didn't take lead until the third quarter. And actually, I didn't even see the whole game. Uh, slept in and then woke up just in time to see Trevor Lawrence driving them down the field. And then he fumbles and I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, and they had the lead at that point. But they're able to get the ball right back. Uh, interception, uh, first interception for Nevin Lawson's career. He's been in the league since 2014. So it's a long time. It's not very good. But, hey, it's happened to, bound to happen at some point. I guess it had to happen off the two of his arm. And yeah, the Miami Dolphins for them, uh, Tua Tagovailoa is not looking like the guy for them. Seems like, I mean, I always question how in the world uh, they could play him, but then take him off on certain downs and certain distances and put in Joby, Jacoby Brissett. Or last year, they um, swapped him in and out for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I don't really understand the, the thinking for that. Uh, it just never made sense uh, how they're using him. But, you know, if he's not really that good, especially for his height, his arm strength, um, and, yeah, they got to trade him. And, yeah, he put up big numbers against the Jags. Passing-wise, he had over 350 yards passing, I think, for uh, for Tua. But the problem is is uh, in key uh, situations, they're just not able to either trust him or he's just not able to uh, to get it done. So looks like it could be trading for Deshaun Watson here pretty soon, which I guess is fine with me, get him out of the division. Though he hadn't been playing yet, but, you know, chance of him playing with the Texans, of course, all already had one in a trade. So now they could, could be potentially getting traded, but of course he still has that uh, uh, trial, which probably will prevent him from playing anyways. Uh, I mean, no matter what, at least he's out of the AFC South uh, potentially. So um, one less uh, team or at least quarterback to worry about for the Jags, but we'll have to see, especially with, uh, they're the way that they're playing defense this year. They, uh, playing a lot of man heavy defense and hasn't really worked out. Cause I don't think they have the personnel to really, uh, execute it the way that they want to, uh, play, uh, cause they seem to give up the underneath, uh, throws a lot and, and, uh, they're susceptible to pick plays, uh, by the other offense. So that's, um, something I want to see them improve upon if they can figure out a way to scheme up, uh, the defense so that those plays are, are mitigated somehow, but of course, uh, defensive line, uh, for Jags, uh, they were able to stop the run and key situations, uh, late in that game. So, th uh, that's good. And of course, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show has been proving last couple of weeks. And, uh, I mean, did have that one fumble, but, uh, so I don't think it was really his fault, but, uh, he's been able to make throws on the run, been able to make the tough tight throws uh, lately. So you can start to see the improvement that he's been able to have in the last couple of weeks and sh certainly showing uh, why the Jags picked him as the number one pick in the draft. And at least, you know, we finally have hope in him. And then of course uh, the kicker, like I said, uh, came in from UCF, came in from uh, office job as an engineer. Now he's on the Jags and uh, is kicking game winning field goals for him, uh, for them. So uh, we finally have a kicker. It looks like I still like to see him kick more field goals because did miss one, uh, uh, previous game against the Titans and there was some questions about his arm or his leg strength because uh he barely got in the 54 yard field goal to tie the game and but then he was able to get the 53 yarder to win the uh the game so uh seems to be maybe hit or miss but we'll see and uh, certainly there's time to be able to improve the leg strength and kicking ability I mean he's able to kick 60 yarders and 70 yarders uh on his own so I'm sure eventually he'll translate into games but 
uh, we'll see what happens, but looks like maybe there's a little bit of positive. Yeah. Urban Meyer still making mistakes. They went for on a fourth down when maybe they shouldn't have and didn't convert and left points on the board uh, on that. So something that I want to see prove, but I think maybe for the most part, maybe now that they have win and some confidence, they be able to actually uh, manage the game better and uh, certainly play better. So looks like maybe positive times coming for, for the Jaguars. Yeah, it'll be good for you guys. It's been a while where you've been able to actually have something positive to say um, after that AFC Championship game uh, in New England with Bortles and company with that great defense, which has basically all been traded to the rest of the NFL. Um, be nice to see uh, Jacksonville competitive instead of being like England's team. Um, they aren't going <laughs> to go and uh, they can't beat Duval and they can't go and take you guys over and act and they're not going to be into it the same way as they are into soccer or cricket or any number of other sports, tennis or whatever. Uh, so, I, I mean, at least you won Miami. They go and pick up Deshaun Watson. I don't think it fixes them because they got a lot of problems in general. They don't, for as good of a team as they may have been last year, they were flawed and they still do have those flaws. And whether it's Tua behind center or Deshaun Watson, who's been sitting on the couch, it's hard to make up for all those deficiencies with the offensive line, with the defensive line not being able to make stops. It's kind of like the Washington situation where they have all these big names, but they don't have. Uh, they have the worst defense in the NFL. Um, you have to be able to make stops. If you can't make stops, then what do you expect to happen? Um, the Niners play on Sunday night coming off a bye. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back. Trey Lance is going to be out with his knee issue um, because Kyle Shannon tried to get him killed a couple weeks ago. Uh, Garoppolo against Carson Wentz doesn't sound like the most appealing matchup. I agree. But, you know, Wentz was able to go toe-to-toe with Lamar Jackson, more or less, and make him work for it, make it honest. Uh, I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo wants to prove that he's a starter, at least for this year, and uh, go out and get a dub. But Indianapolis is very difficult. Uh, lots of stuff coming out with DeForest Buckner talking to local me- media, basically saying I was willing to take a pay cut to stay with San Francisco. Of course, context doesn't matter and all the other things don't matter, but it was going to cost way more money to keep him around than what they paid for uh, a lot of the guys they have, along with the draft pick of Javon Kinlaw, even though Kinlaw gets hurt getting out of bed um we i mean i think the niners win the game uh because indianapolis is flawed but i think the niners have less flaws the difference is jimmy g has to play well uh, because the running game has not become consistent enough to carry them like they did a couple of years ago uh they have too many other players behind that You'll see, though. Um, I lost last week. I lost last two weeks in fantasy, but I'm not 
overly concerned. Um, it's early enough. It's first half of the year. If it was, you know, week 13 or, or whatever, I think it would be a little worse. Or week 14 and then going and, and frying and, in fantasy is probably not a great look. So we'll see what happens this week. I'm playing Joe, uh, who is the defending champion of the league um, last year. And um, I've had to make some moves. I made a trade with Vic, uh, trading Robert Woods for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, people could accuse me of it being a homer move. I look at it in regards to um, what the Niners are, and they need him to do work versus, um, you know, the the other running backs, for example, like uh, the uh, Miles Sanders, who's not being used on every down and all, and they don't really know what their identity is. You know, Javante Williams is in a timeshare with uh, one other person uh, or with Melvin Gordon. So it it's hard to um, take off and do what you have to do unless something weird happens. So we'll see what happens with all of that um, going into next week before we um, crown somebody the way that Dennis Green wanted us to crown people. Um, Josh, it's your, your time. Talk about sim, uh, eye racing in the bit and, uh, let us know where you're at and what's going on. Yeah. This week, uh, Indy cars, uh, at auto clip speedway, California speedway is one of my favorite racetracks to race on with Indy car and, you know, really any of the cars on eye racing is, uh, you know, it's wide, it's a uh, fairly flat, but you, know, you can use, um, it's fast and you can use the high line pretty well. And that's what I've been trying to do with the Indy car. Uh, use the draft, um, use a high line in the corner, maintain the speed momentum, and then uh, close in and then try to dive bomb in the corners on the inside. But of course it's tricky on the inside because you really have to uh, have the right line on the inside. Uh, you have to factor in uh, for downforce and, and grip and you have to, you know, adjust the weight jacker in the corners to be able to make those moves and stuff. And actually earlier I was able to race and uh, finished fifth. Uh, I thought I had maybe a chance to go for the win and everything, but then uh, scraped the wall uh, on the last, well, not the last lap, but like in the middle of the race, uh, scraped the wall. And I think that may have hurt my car. Even though I was able to get damage repaired and everything, I think it hurt my car and I uh, wasn't able to, uh, have the same pace after that, but I still managed to still uh, finish fifth. Though part of that was because um, uh, there was uh, some incidents uh, with uh, some of the people, so I was able to kind of uh, mitigate some of that because of the uh, lower co uh, car count, but still uh, able to kind of outrace some other people by using that high line and defending there, and you know able to keep the position even with a hurt car there. And uh, you know, other night uh, I got in the wall too the other night, so. Uh, got to really work on it with traffic, um, being able to maintain the car in the corner on corner exit. Uh, you know, when you, especially when you're, you're fighting for a position and you're really close up, you know, you don't have as much downforce and you slide up into the wall. So that's kind of what I'm you know trying to do. I feel like I can probably uh, potentially win. So I uh, will have to see, I just have to not make any mistakes, I think, and just, you know, 
pit at the right time and all that. So uh, should be entertaining. I'll try to stream that one because it's definitely fun racing at uh, at that track. And then also I think uh, one of the road course series is uh, racing at Silverstone. So might try to do that one if I uh, uh, find time to do that. Uh, those ones are a little bit longer, but uh, still pretty fun to watch. Uh, did try one on like Sunday or Monday night, uh, but had some issues uh, running the uh, one of the corners, uh, Silverstone, I forget which one, but um, it was uh, the one before Lounds, I guess, where they had an incident with Lewis and Max earlier this year. Uh, that's a, That series of corners is pretty tricky uh, to get around, but uh, we'll try to work on that one. But also do want to talk about the new NASCAR game coming out uh, next week, the NASCAR uh, 21 ignition and seeing the online discussion about that. I'm not really encouraged uh, by what I'm seeing online. Definitely looks like uh, there's a lot of bugs, uh, a lot of issues with the game. Uh, it's been a long time since we had really had a good NASCAR console game. Um, uh, I played the NASCAR heat ones, but I think they were all right. But I think for the most part, you know, they weren't all too compelling to be honest. Um, but I think uh, this one, it could be better, but the problem is, is a, uh, it just seems like there's a, a lot of bugs that are in the game. Uh, there's a pit stop loop where I saw one streamer, one YouTuber uh, showed they were trying to make a pit stop, but then the pit crew got stuck uh, changing the tires. And so they basically um, were stuck in the pits uh, for whatever, however long time until I guess you have to uh, quit the game and, and exit uh, in order to stop that. And then there's another bug where sometimes damage doesn't come in. Um, seems like there's another issue where you can't turn off steering assistance entirely. You have a high, medium, and low setting, and you can't turn it off. And a lot of users have noted, it uh, seems like driving the car in the corners, like you can still feel it turn to the right on the straights, uh, and they don't have total control over the steering. And so uh, I've heard a lot of users that got the pre-release copy saying they didn't really like uh, that uh, feature in the game. Um, and they didn't really like how that felt. So seems like there's a lot of issues with it. And there's at least seems like maybe mixed feelings on how it could be early or critical uh, feelings. So um, we'll see what happens. They got, I'm sure that they were running a, a maybe alpha or beta build. We'll see, but um, I think uh, it's definitely an issue with creating good quality uh, video games for, for console users and even the PC users um, who don't want to play on iRacing, but still want that, uh, NASCAR game. So we'll see what happens. Comes out on October 28th. Uh, probably just wait and see uh, before I actually buy it. Just see what other people say. See if it's actually worth it. We'll see what happens. But I think the other key thing here is that uh, the people making this game are also going to be making the uh, IndyCar game coming out in 2022 or 2023. So that's going to be interesting to see if they can create a quality NASCAR game. Can they create a quality IndyCar game? So um, going to have to look out for that. And hopefully they can fix the bugs and everything so people can actually enjoy it themselves and actually, you know, play against people or race against people. So um, that's going to be uh, something to look out for next couple of weeks uh, with, with, with that game. So we'll see what happens and uh, hopefully get a chance to play it if it's good. So we'll have to see, but yeah, that's uh, the sim racing segment for this week. Yeah. We're, I'm open. We're both open to get back off of the uh, losing train. I mean, it's only one for Josh. It's two for me. Um, got any of this win because Wilson's already six and oh, uh, possibly staring at seven, but he's already got, yeah, he got that going. So, something 
we'll see how that all works out and whether um you know certain drivers do move around and uh you know and how things go with that um yeah we'll go and uh finish with the um ads in a whole bit you can follow me at philip g matthew on twitter philip g matthew 28 on instagram um our shows at grip strip pod on twitter um uh, i'm getting out of the show clothes sorry uh you know i am in the show clothes. <laughs> god um you know and uh we're on amazon music pod bean google uh google podcasts you got um Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Uh, we're also on uh, Spotify, Radio Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, we're in a bunch of places working on others to go and uh, promote us and our brand. Uh, how about you, Josh? Where can we find you? Yeah, as always, you know, watch the uh, video game stuff at Twitch TV slash Usailor 2. So have all that video game content and iRacing content mostly. So uh, definitely let you know when I'm on there. And especially this week, California, I feel like got a chance for a win. So we'll see what happens. Uh, watch me on there. And then, of course, on Twitter, uh, follow it at JP Huffline. Talk about football, racing, and all, all that stuff. And definitely uh, uh, enjoy the discussion on there. So that's uh, where you can follow me. All right. So uh, with that, we thank you for listening to the Gripster podcast today, tonight, whenever you listen to it. Um, thank you for the listens. Thank you. Please download and subscribe and give us a like if you can. Either way, though, we appreciate you for listening to us and giving us some part of your day uh, to go and hear about racing and football and other sports that are going on. Thank you for listening to Gripster podcast. Goodbye.